Hello, everyone. Welcome to another daily objective. So our daily objective tonight is to try and understand the recent wave of protests by Extinction Rebellion. So Extinction Rebellion has some days of action in London that includes events such as blocking some roads, uh, blocking the entrance of the parliament, gluing themselves on the ground, uh, they added something new, which is visiting some think tanks, which, of course, are the personification of evil because supposedly they get dirty money. And instead of doing the usual criticism of Extinction Rebellion that you hear in the news, oh, you know, they're good people, but uh, they're extremists or they're socialists, we try to understand why they chose these forms of actions, and we're going to understand something about the ideas of this movement. And I will end on a pessimist note, which is why I think that in the long term, Extinction Rebellion has some good chances of success. And maybe not of success in the way they would imagine it, but of success in some of their goals society will do the heavy lifting for them. So, first of all, what, <clears throat> what is Extinction Rebellion? So, the other day there was a, a big, uh, there was a placard, a banner, let's say, in, uh, in one of their protests, and the banner said something like socialism or extinction, and also had the, the stick and, and hammer. So, <clears throat> conservatives thought that this is, this is an easy target. So conservatives said, ah, I see, they are Marxist. So I don't know if you have noticed lately, but the best thing that can happen to conservatives is seeing everywhere radical leftists and Marxists. And as I mentioned in another episode, I consider this up to a point intellectual lazy. But that's another discussion. Let's get back to Extinction Rebellion. So the discussion was the Extinction Rebellion is an anti-capitalist movement, it's a socialist movement, and now it became apparent. Now, how did Extinction Rebellion reply to this? And I think it's very, very interesting because it tells us a lot about this movement. So on their Twitter account, they say that, they, they, they talk about the banner and they say that for the, for the avoidance of any doubt, we don't hate socialism. We hate the assertion that socialism is the sole silver bullet that will overt ecological collapse. So basically the idea is socialism is okay, but we cannot save the world only with socialism. It has to be socialism plus something else. So they're not committed enough to be socialist, so to speak. There are, there are many other commitments that they have, and we're gonna see what kind of commitments these are. Capitalism, on the other hand, they say, can largely beep, bad words, right off. We're not idiots anymore that we're eco-fascists. That's weird. I don't 100% get what this means, but anyway. But if we are to win, they continue on their Twitter feed, the level of debate has to step up a notch. Activists and scientists and economists and spiritualists 
and all kinds of Easts have got to sit around the same table and work out where their isms intersect, not where they disagree. So <laughs> if, there, if there ever was a symbol of Extinction Rebellion, I think that's a good one. On the same table, you have science and the spiritualist, basically reason and faith. On the same table, you have people who are in favor of the idea that your life is yours and you have a right to your life. And on the same table, people who think, well, your life belongs to the collective or to the group or to who knows what group. So we, the, the isms sit down and we find a solution. So please, 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 next time, next time someone tells you, oh, we are armed with peer-reviewed science, which by the way, was one of the slogans of the climate camps. Don't know how many of you remember, but the climate camps was in a way the, pre, the, the, uh, the preamble to this movement or something that paved the way for this movement at the something like 10 years, 10 years plus ago. Anyway, so they used to say, we are armed only with peer-reviewed science. So now they say, we sit in the same table with a spiritualist. Now, you put them a bit pressure, they say, oh no, we didn't mean this. Although some of the people in these movements are openly spiritualist. And here's a, fa a fast throwback. So the way that environmental activism, the peak of environmental activism in the UK, or one of its highest moments, was in the early 90s. And it was the anti-roads movement. Spot, by the way, the similarities, right? We are targeting the roads. Now they're, tar they're blocking roads. Back then they were targeting the construction of roads. So something very interesting happened in that movement. That movement, they called themselves the Donga tribe and they had some spiritual totems and some spirituality, uh, spirituality uh, rituals. And at some point, some urban activists came in the protest site and then the spiritualists were not happy because they said, oh, this, this, uh, this messes up the karma of the, of the protest. So again, don't be fooled that radical environmentalist is armed with science. Actually, if you see the history of the movement, it is armed by the opposite of science, which is mysticism and irrationality. And here's a sales pitch. If you, are, if you want to find more such interesting stories, read my book, The Rise of Lifestyle Activism from New Left to Occupy. I have two, at least one whole chapter and more than one actually chapters talking about these kinds of protests. So forget then that they are the proponents of science as they are telling us. And of course, as I say in almost every episode, there's nothing bad happening in the world that Ayn Rand hasn't predicted in Atlas Shrugged. Remember Kip Ma, the, the spiritualist who was growing soybeans. Remember that at some point, the, the, the mystic was part of the ruling elite. So you had the thugs with the gun and you had the spiritualist with her, with her mystic ideas. And of course, uh, it was not a coincidence that Rand uh, chose to portray it in this way. Another thing that I find interesting is the type of protest they use and them gluing themselves to the ground. Now, you might wonder, where does this come from? 
And this is what is called, quote, manufactured vulnerability. This is how it's called in, let's say, the terminology of social movement theory. So manufactured vulnerability means that you portray yourself as vulnerable. And this is how you try to get the sympathy of the crowd. And similar things, uh, back when they were doing the anti-roads protest, they used to sit on, the, on tripods, which means that if someone tried to take them down, there was a very, uh, a very delicate balance and they would drop. So they put themselves in these positions and the message is, look how committed we are, we become vulnerable. Now, this is a very interesting switch from what is the message of the protest, at least of the old left. So I keep saying that there's a big chasm between schism between the old left and the new left. In the old left, if you see the protest, they try to, they try to pass the message of power. Usually you see bulky workers on the first line. Now it's the message of vulnerability. And then this vulnerability becomes a claim to the world. See, we are here in a difficult position. See, we're vulnerable. Therefore, you have to do something. It's almost a bit of guilting. And I remember specifically when I was interviewing people in Occupy London, because again, all these movements, there is a line that links them together. And I was asking them, what is your political message? And they were saying, no, no, that's not, there's no, this is not about ideologies. This is about passing a message. And the message is we're suffering, we're freezing, do something. Very interesting how this, in a way, this depoliticizes protest. You are, we are not on the level of even misintegration, that I have an ideology, but there are some holes in the ideology. It's that, no, I'm throwing my emotions there. This is an emotionalist, this is an emotionalist protest. So, who are their targets? These days, their targets have been three things. The parliament, they blocked the parliament and they were very happy, for example, that Boris Johnson had to enter from another entrance. Common people, as we saw, blocking the roads. And also there was some protests uh, outside, some think tanks that do not think as they think. So I'll start with the, with the, with the last one, which is the, their view of the world, their simplistic view of the world is that people who disagree with us disagree because they are paid a lot of money. And it's very interesting because one of the biggest misconceptions I had during my years as leftist is that indeed, the, indeed the, the wallets of free market think tanks or quote neoliberals, their wallets are full and this is why they're on the wrong side of history. But actually it takes two minutes of Googling because all these groups need to be transparent about their income to see that the income of the major environmental advocacy groups is multiple times bigger than groups such as, for example, Cato Institute, or I don't know who else in their mind is this uh, neoliberal boogeyman. So, and it's funny because it, it's so easy to dismantle this, but they believe in these things. So I, I find it a bit creepy, to be honest, that going outside the buildings, the offices, and uh, accusing people, but I'll skip that. Maybe this is an issue for another time. I'm gonna focus a bit more 
on their targeting of the parliament and their targeting of, of common people. And the idea is that in both cases, the enemy, so to speak, is the same. And the enemy is the many. As Gerald McCloskey, who writes it often in Greece, Ipoli, that's the many in Greece, in Greek. So their enemy is common people because their enemy is your and mine daily activities that make our life better. Cheap flight, for example. Remember that one of the other prominent groups in this country of environmental activism was a group called Plain Stupid. Who was Plain Stupid mostly targeting? Small airports and budget flights. So how dare you, Rebecca and Tom from Gillingham, fly to Greece for your vacation? Why don't you know your place? If you're from Gillingham, the furthest you can go, maybe, maybe Maidstone. And that's it. So there is this disdain for the habits of the masses. And this could probably have to do also with, let's say, a class distinction of who these activists are, but uh, that would be mostly my past uh, Marxist self. So I'll leave the, I'll leave the class analysis uh, aside for, for the moment. And there's something similar with the parliament. The idea is, how dare you not do what we tell you? So one thing that this group has is this, in a way, it's drunk in its own power. And it's understood because almost everyone in society is either giving them the thumbs up or active support or is, is telling them, look, you're right, but the memes are a bit, uh, are a bit uh, questionable. Maybe, maybe change your memes a bit. And then it's, their question is, how, can, how is it possible that the, the, the parliament does not legislate exactly what we tell them. And it's basically a tantrum. It is a reaction of, look, everyone tells us we're right, and how dare these people vote against? But also the disruption in your daily life is a reminder that you living your life and you wanting to be happy based on your hierarchy of values and not their hierarchy of values is something that you should feel guilty about. You taking the, the cheap flight and flying to Crete is something that should count as a sin. That's why they want you to, maybe not Extinction Rebellion, but other environmentalists, to measure your carbon footprint. And if you go above some point, then you have to pay. If it reminds you of something, it's exactly this religious practice, where you go to the priest, you say, oh, I've done this and this and this wrong, but then I've done this and this and this, uh, this and this and this uh, charities. Therefore, you you're you're okay. Or back in the day, in previous darker times, where you would literally pay and you get a, a paper that says you're excused. So, why did I say in the beginning that I see extinction rebellion in the long term winning? Because there was a story in the sun which captures everything which is wrong not only with extinction rebellion but also with the reaction to extinction rebellion so apparently one of the founding members of extinction rebellion and i have to say i haven't done research in the context so take this with a pinch of salt and also it's not my main point in the story 
had sent something that something like people who pollute and big businessmen or politicians if we we're still in the 90s they should go to prison but where we are now sometimes i think they should have a bullet in their head something like that but that's not something that a surprised me or b is what i want to focus about because a group whose ideology would put at re at harm's way if not would definitely destroy the lives of billions of people billions of people who need cheap energy more than anything billions of people who would die and imagine what would be the disruption to the supply chains if if there is all this disruption in free trade or in cheap travel that they want so a group that has this vision for humanity i'm not surprised if someone says yeah and maybe we kill someone or we throw someone to prison that's okay but anyway that's not the big story and i haven't even done too much uh, research on whether he actually said that or when he said that or whatever so this is not me cancelling that guy here's what i found more interesting and the sun has uh, has an, an interview with a conservative mp and this is what the mp says they are oh sorry extinction rebellion is a trojan horse for those who know they can never get power through the ballot box and claim to represent legitimate causes environmentalism so for the conservative mp the problem is not the violation of your rights the problem is that they didn't go through the ballot box because dear listener dear viewer it's okay to lock you in your room because we did it through the ballot box but these suckers haven't got the power that we have therefore they're bad and notice how he says that the cause is a valid one and i would say something else i would argue that no one actually represents the cause better than extinction rebellion so in this way i am the first to admit that extinction rebellion is a very legitimate and not illegitimate as the mp says proponent of environmentalism because the main premises of environmentalism if taken to their logical conclusion the result is extinction rebellion and actually the result is not even extinction rebellion it's something even further than extinction rebellion that we haven't seen yet but anyway let's see what else the mp says but as is clear from their widely publicized ambitions of socialism marxism anarchy by the way socialism and marxism anarchy are not the same but anyway going back to the quote it's very clear what their ultimate ambition is through their extreme actions and violent actions they have actually damaged their causes so in the eyes of the conservative mp and again nothing personal on this mp i'm sure every almost every other conservative mp would say exactly the same things the cause is legitimate but you guys are taking it too far why the violence why the violence let's just yeah maybe block the street we will do the violence for you we will ban non-electric cars in 2035 so don't but violence in the street is bad optics don't do this so this is the level of the intellectual resistance that is offered to extinction rebellion and this is why i believe that extinction rebellion is so if by any chance an extinction rebellion activist is watching this 
I'm telling you people, don't be too worried. The future is bright for you because this is the opposition you are facing. Now, for real opposition to destructive anti-humanist ideas, uh, I will encourage you again to support the Iron Run Center UK. Tomorrow, we have a very interesting discussion with Chris Snowden. Uh, we talk about uh, the nanny state. And so we go back to having guests. And there are many, many more exciting announcements and things about both the center and the show. So stay tuned. Thank you very much. All the best.